This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Once again, the world has seen the power of terrorism. Twelve people killed after an attack at a French satirical magazine known as Charlie Hebdo. One suspect has turned himself in. Two more at large, at last we heard. But police are questioning several others as part of the search. Suffice it to say, Paris is on high alert. A rally took place last night in support of the victims. We'll look at this uh, from a variety of angles. Security, risk management, and more. To start out, we are joined by Hugh Carnegie, who is the executive editor of the Financial News, and he is the ex-Paris bureau chief for the paper. He joins us from London today. Hugh, great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you. It's the Financial Times. Financial Times. I apologize. My apologize. Uh, What are you hearing as the latest in terms of the search for the, the, the two gentlemen that are the other suspects right now? There seems to be quite a dramatic situation developing in an area about 25 miles northeast of Paris. Earlier this morning, uh, Paris time, uh, these two suspects were uh, apparently involved in a robbery of a of a of a filling station. They stole some uh, some gas, some petrol, as we say, uh, and food, uh, and that obviously uh, alerted the security forces to their presence there. They then later abandoned the car, and the French security forces say they are now ring-fencing, effectively, quite a wide area uh, in this part of the country, as I say, just northeast of Paris, uh, and it would appear as if uh, the noose could be tightening on these guys, but it's not clear to us yet exactly where they are uh, or how close to, to pinning them down the security forces are. Now, there apparently was an incident earlier today where another police officer was shot. Do we know if, if, if this incident was these two gentlemen, or, or are we still searching on that? It's not at all clear exactly what connection there may or may not be between that incident this morning and this new development in the manhunt uh, north of Paris. The incident this morning was w- within Paris itself in the south of the city. A woman police officer was killed uh, by a gunman dressed in similar types of clothing to those that carried out the attack on Charlie Hebdo yesterday. But it would seem unlikely that the same people could have got from that scene to where this uh, manhunt is now focused north of the city in the time uh, that elapsed, although not impossible. But the, the, the simple fact is right now we don't know and the security forces are not uh, letting on what they think at the moment about the potential uh, connection or otherwise between the two events. The one suspect turned himself in. and That caught me a little bit off guard because if these gentlemen are quote-unquote terrorists, that's not the norm. Well, the fellow who turned himself in is a teenager who is suspected of being some kind of accomplice. Yeah. Uh, he apparently has insisted, and I'm here quoting uh, what I've heard on French media, he apparently has been insisting he had nothing directly to do with it. Right. So that made ex- might explain why okay. he decided to turn himself in. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are, are were shocked by this happening. Uh, this uh, Charlie Hebdo has 
obviously it has a little bit of an edge to it in terms of uh, of its publication. Uh, it has drawn attention to itself in the past. Obviously, nobody figured that that we would be talking about this type of event with kind of the way it has played out over the last 48 hours. No, it's fair to say that this is a deeply shocking and nobody would have necessarily anticipated. It is, however, true to say that Charlie Hebdo, as you say, uh, has been uh, uh, well known uh, as a sort of provocateur. provocateur. Yeah. It, uh, it pushed the boat out, if you like, in terms of uh, its humor, its caricaturing of not just Islam, by the way, but yeah. uh, the Catholic religion, Jews, you name it. They, they, they've gone for it. You know, they, they really pinned their colors to the mast uh, in a very, what one must say, very courageous way. Uh, but they came under uh, attack uh, both verbally and physically in the past by uh, extremist groups. They were firebombed. Their offices in Paris, is, in Paris were firebombed a couple of years ago. And uh, Stéphane Charbonnier, the principal editor and cartoonist at the, uh, at the magazine, was under police guard and had been so for a couple of years because mm. he was on death lists. It, it, when you and the other interesting thing is the reaction. Obviously, uh, there were, uh, uh, I believe, four cartoonists that were in amongst the the people that were killed uh, in this incident. But the reaction by the fellow cartoonists of other publications has just been: uh, they are not stepping back in any way, shape, or form. They are right on the forefront, showing how, through their pictures, how mad they are right now. That's absolutely the case. Indeed, it, it now seems very clear that there were five uh, cartoonists on the magazine who, five, who were killed. Okay. Uh, eight uh, journalists working on the magazine out of the total of 12 people killed. There were also three, uh, three police officers. The, uh, the reaction has been, in fact, well beyond the immediate media community in Paris, where, of course, there's been a very strong uh, uh, emotional reaction. But that's been multiplied, it has to be said, right across France. Uh, we saw last night a huge spontaneous demonstration in Paris that was uh, replicated in other big French cities like Lyon, Bordeaux, yeah. Marseille, and indeed in big cities across Europe, including London. We've seen it across in the United States as well. I think the nature of this very direct attack on what we would regard as the highly uh, pr the, the great principle of freedom of speech has really evoked a reaction. We're talking with uh, Hugh Carnegie, who is the executive editor of the Financial Times. He is the ex-Paris bureau chief for the paper. Uh, and, and having been there in Paris uh, for the time that you were, I, I guess in some respects we have seen these incidents over the last several decades. But they are in some respects few and far between to the point where a lot of people just still to this day don't expect them to happen. There have been terrorist incidents in Paris in recent years, but m mostly of pretty much kind of one-off and much smaller scale. I yeah. think what really uh, shocked people was the, the planned and cold-blooded brutality of this. These guys arrived, went into the offices of the newspaper, went up into their editorial conference, and singled out uh, Charbonnier and then killed the others around the table yeah. before making their escape. And during their escape, they killed a policeman. They wounded him first and then shot him with a coup de grace. Uh, it, it was the, the, the really calculated brutality of this, I think, which has particularly multiplied the shock effect. And, and the fact that it was calculated and apparently this attack was done when the editorial meeting was going on really does make people wonder if, I mean, obviously it was calculated, but the question remains is, 
was this a group of gentlemen for a larger organization or were these uh, people, you know, radical from the aspect that they just did this on their own? Yeah. Part of the context of the background of this is that France has been the biggest source of people from European countries going to join the jihadist Islamic radical groups fighting in Syria and Iraq. And the authorities in France, indeed in other European countries, have been worried for a long time about what they term blowback, that mm -hmm. some of these people will come back and start carrying out attacks on home soil. And that's why also there's this great uh, sensitivity about this particular attack, because if this does turn out to be uh, that uh, that that type of uh, characterization, uh, then I think it, it it speaks to a very deep-seated concern about about where we are with this type of radicalization in European society. Right. Uh, we're speaking with Hugh Carnegie of the Financial Times. Uh, he has uh, spent a, a good bit of time in Paris, uh, now in London, as the executive editor for uh, the Financial Times. Uh, if this is if these gentlemen are tied to some larger group at some point, uh, it really, in some respects, it does change it a little bit, doesn't it? Well, I think it, it, it does in the sense that to date, when we've been talking about this uh, risk of the jihadis, as it were, returning home, yeah. the main focus has been uh, uh, what we've uh, characterized as ISIS, Islamic State in the Levant, uh, who are uh, uh, an extremist, uh, 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 extraordinarily extreme group, but who so far have not really uh, mounted planned attacks back in, in, in Europe or in, against Western targets. It's been more inspiring uh, like-minded uh, militants to, to do something on their own. It, there were reports that during the attack, these people identified themselves yesterday at Charlie Hebdo as being from Al-Qaeda. And so there's yeah. quite a concern among security uh, officials in Europe now that this may have this may mark a kind of return to the game of the the, the grim game of uh, organized terrorist attacks by Al Qaeda. But of course, this is very speculative. Still, we really don't know, and I think it'll probably take a little bit of time before we can be clearer about what really was behind this. Yeah, and as we mentioned, uh, the hunt is on right now for the other two gentlemen apparently involved in these attacks. And and from what Hugh is uh, uh, saying from overseas right now, apparently uh, they may be closing in on these two gentlemen. Uh, that uh, that they have been searching for for about the last 24 hours. One gentleman, a uh, young man, a teenager, uh, has turned himself in. As uh, as Hugh mentioned, he is saying that he was not really a part of the uh, of this whole process, but still, uh, nonetheless, uh, he has turned himself in. It, it really, it. I guess Hugh, as being over here in the states and, and living my whole life over here. I, we see this happen from time to time, but we really don't understand that, that this is part, in some respects, a bit of the norm that happens over in Europe from time to time. Well, certainly over the, if you want to go back several decades, we have had various different streams of, of, of extremists who have launched terrorist attacks, whether it was the the IRA, the Irish Republican Army in, in Britain during the 70s and 80s, whether it was the far-left extremist groups in Italy and Germany back yeah. in that kind of era as well, through Palestinian groups launching hijackings and other things like that. And now more recently, uh, particularly the Islamic Islamist uh, extremist groups. Of course, there was N never forget, of course, 9-11 in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't, haven't had anything on the sheer scale of that uh, in Europe, although we've had some, some quite big events like 7-7 uh, in, in London in, in 2005. But what we have had in Europe is a, a, a 
a more, if you like, longer stream of uh, of of occurrences of attacks uh, of a of a terrorist nature. Uh, just uh, kind of searching online right now, and I'm, I'm actually looking at the Wall Street Journal as well, and, and I guess the, the names of the two gentlemen that they are looking for, they know. Apparently, uh, one of the gentlemen left an ID in the car. Uh, but, but obviously, from, from that portion of, of Paris where this took place, uh, in terms of carrying this out, it doesn't seem like that this was a, a, a hugely— uh, tough operation to pull off for these for these gunmen. Well, there is some question around the degree of protection that there was placed on Charlie Hebdo, uh, on the offices of the magazine, because yeah. as I said before, it, it has been under threat for some time. But I think that uh, the best protected uh, organisations would still. Uh, have some difficulty in fending off something as as determined uh, and as apparently well planned as what yeah. happened yesterday. Has uh, the, the magazine is itself is it how is it published? Is it a weekly publication, monthly? It's a weekly. Okay. Uh, in fact, Hebdo means weekly. It's, it's okay. Charlie Weekly. It was it was styled the, the name Charlie apparently derives from uh, their their love of Charlie Brown and the Peanuts cartoon <laughs> strip, and so they 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 took that and they they styled themselves Charlie Hebdo, which means Charlie Weekly. I would imagine then, as a publication tends to do, I would imagine they want to try and continue their publication uninterrupted if they can, and and not bow to to what has happened here in some respects. Yes, the survivors indeed have let it be known today that they're determined to come out with their next publication, which is due next Wednesday. Uh, they will use apparently uh, material that, have, that is flooding in, I, I imagine, from all around the world, literally from cartoonists who, who want to contribute in sympathy. Yeah. And the, a number of French media organizations have rallied around to promise to help out with, uh, you know, with backroom support, with printing facilities and so on to help uh, and make sure that Charlie Hebdo is not kept off the streets by this attack. I, I mentioned about the uh, the rally that uh, took place in Paris last night and the uh, just looking at some of the pictures, the amount of people that have come out with signs that say Je suis Charlie or I am Charlie really showing support for for the paper and what they do. It's it's an incredible number of people doing that. Yes, it is. And it's it's very striking. And I think the atmosphere in France right now is extremely emotional. Uh, the French have a long tradition of liberty, equality, fraternity. Uh, they're very uh, sensitive about their democracy. And I think that this is an event which has really touched a nerve in France. And people have been determined to come out and say, look, we're not going to bow the knee to this stuff. Yeah. Hugh, uh, thank you very much for coming on and giving us uh, the perspective from overseas. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Great to have you. Hugh Carnegie, executive editor for the Financial Times. As we mentioned, uh, he uh, spent quite a bit of time in Paris as the bureau chief there for uh, Financial Times. Now we're going to turn our attention to uh, one of our friends uh, here from the Wharton School who actually was in Paris yesterday when this happened. In fact, was just a few blocks away from this. Wharton professor Bob Meyer, uh, who is the co-director of the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center. Bob, uh, obviously, it were great to hear your voice. Uh, I would imagine it had to be a, quite a bit of a harrowing day for you yesterday. Uh, yes, it was very interesting. I was uh, doing a little bit of teaching a few blocks away, and as you know, uh, media, the way communication works these days, pretty much as it's happening, I'm, I'm noticing uh, 
uh, students and so forth all of a sudden checking their their cell phones and their and then uh, it became clear that there was something unfolding just a few blocks away and uh, and so forth and it was it was very interesting it, it also got me and gave me an opportunity to to, to compare the uh, the reaction to this event versus uh, for example the the Boston uh, Boston sure. bombing yeah. um, uh, which was something I was able to also see kind of, you know, close hand back at home. And, and I think one of the big differences is that, um, that there, the, in, in, the, in the context of the Boston bombing, there was sort of a, a general sense of widespread fear that was associated with it. Uh, yeah. Whereas here, the kind of the, the, the action was more, was less fear and more of just profound outrage. Well, and certainly here, you know, in the United States, when we had the Boston bombing, there was that outrage as well. But but it is it's just a little bit of a, a different philosophy or, or maybe even understanding that uh, that people in Europe have compared to seeing it here in the United States. Yeah, somewhat. I, it's a, it's a, I think a couple things is I think to some degree because it had a sort of very much a, a targeted purpose. Uh, people that have encoded a little bit the way one might associate like an assassination, and yep. it was seen as as very much that way as opposed to just a random attack on people. But uh, I, I often find that kind of just um, um, speaking to what you were just saying, uh, I often find a great source of wisdom is comes from taxi drivers. And uh, so on the uh, last evening, as I was uh, I was in a taxi, the taxi driver was mentioning that there. Um, uh, uh, her, her expression for it was this is sort of the cost of tolerance, um, that the many of the, the mechanisms in Europe that allow uh, uh, publications like uh, Charlie Hebdo to, to exist also, yeah. you know, goes along with uh, being tolerant of having uh, a multi um, um, a multi-ethnic um, uh, society and so forth, and there comes these risks. Obviously, there's there's still a lot that that is going on right now and kind of uh, circling. You're in London actually today, yeah. Uh, um, but but it, it, working in risk management like you do, when you see an event like this uh, happen, a lot of people have said that that this is really the scariest type of event because uh, of the way it was. It was obviously it was organized and it was quick and it was it was tactical and, and, and right at it. And there's really no way to prepare for those type of of of, uh, of attacks. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that the other thing goes along with it is is often um, uh, as your previous speaker, he was just mentioning, there's also a lot of uncertainty as to to what degree are we seeing is this the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. Um, and yeah. an awful lot of things in risk management in terms of uh, being able to uh, provide insurance coverage for terrorist attacks, and pr primarily this is done by uh, government reinsurance. All of a sudden, um, you know, we think we have a handle on it. We think we have a sense of what the scale is, and what we could be seeing is is some very very large unknown large tail uh, of the possible costs of these things. I, I mean, I was going to, before I talked with uh, with Hugh, I was going to ask, you know, how does a government prepare for these type of attacks? But as Hugh alluded to, with the history uh, of Charlie Hebdo and the threats uh, against uh, the, the magazine and some of its cartoonists in the past and the protection that some of these people already had, the government had done some things in advance already. Uh, but obviously, you know, you, you can't protect everything, it would seem. Yeah, you know, absolutely not. And uh, in fact, I was uh, when I um, um, we um, with my family, we arrived in uh, France um, um, a number of days ago, and I was I was actually struck by the enhanced level of uh, security that was uh, hmm. existed around most of the sort of the tourist sites with military with with automatic rifles and and and, and that sort of thing. So in some sense, there definitely was this higher level of protection, but you yeah. just can't uh, particularly cover you know, cover everything. It makes you wonder if obviously with that higher level of protection is that. Kind Kind of the norm now in Paris, or did they have a feeling that that something w was uh, in the works? 
Yeah, well, my understanding was is that uh, Europe in general and France in particular was under a much higher level of alert that that they knew something was happening and but but of course just th- that isn't very diagnostic. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Wharton Professor Bob Meyer, who is actually overseas right now. Was in Paris yesterday, uh, is in London today, but uh, doing some teaching over there. Uh, it, it does. It it does bring up uh, uh, several interesting questions in the fact that uh, that apparently you know, these were brothers that that were involved in this, uh, and it is similar in a lot of respects to what happened in Boston. Yes, absolutely. And as I had mentioned before, immediately when I heard that there were two brothers involved, it just bring back those parallels and and also sort of the differences. Um, and and, and I, I do think that in the United States, as, you, as we were mentioning just before, this type of thing is sort of mentally people sort of detach themselves from it quite a bit. Uh, uh, in in France, for example, uh, so you know, eight percent of the population is uh, is Muslim, uh, yeah. which is, is much much lower than that in the United States. And, uh, and and also the nature of the attack was very different. There it was in in Boston. It was this uh, uh, basically a random attack against people, such that it was generally more and more fearful. Whereas here it was sort of seen as a targeted assassination, and uh, so in that sense, it was a very profound outrage, uh, and, it, it, and to the degree it was an attack on a fundamental value that I think uh, that all of us hold. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it was not necessarily, at least at this point anyway, a, a type of thing that's an evoking and a fear that I'm suddenly going to stop shopping, sure. or suddenly stop doing going to work, and so on. Well, and, and from that perspective, uh, when you have an event like this at, at one specific target, uh, it, it really, at least my first thought is, when you have something like this, it's you really probably are not going to expect to see various incidents all over Paris. That, that yeah, this exactly. was this was a, a one tactic, one goal that, that that this group of gentlemen were trying to go after. Yeah, uh, coincidentally, my, my wife and daughter were shopping at the uh, Galleria Lafayette over in uh, the very high-end shopping mall or shopping center in, in Paris. And this was the yesterday was the first day of the national uh, uh, winter shopping uh, sale season. And, and, and she indicated that as it was unfolding, the, one had a general sense of, of general awareness within the shopping mall that this was happening. Yeah. But yet at the same time, the place was completely packed and no one was leaving and everyone was just really focused on getting their shopping done. Uh, feeling that it was just a one-time event and it happened over there and was targeted uh, um, uh, at a, uh, a, a, a satirical newspaper, which they were somewhere maybe even not even surprised that they were the target. Obviously, and we mentioned this with, with Hugh as well, but I'll bring it up to you uh, also, is that we, we don't know if these gentlemen were doing this on their own uh, or if they were uh, obviously doing this in conjunction with a, a another larger uh, group at this point. If it is found out that it is a larger group making this making this push, and it was these three gentlemen that were were chosen to do this, what does that mean at this point? Well, it means uh, I think for, certainly from from the risk management point of view, I, I think suddenly it's a game changer as far as uh, uh, certainly um, insurers and governments that are providing um, uh, reinsurance for uh, for terrorist attacks how they approach and think about the risks that's associated with it, because suddenly now the scale of the risk represents is, is significantly higher. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden the possibility that this is part of a coordinated attack that's beginning to, uh, uh, that might well threaten other locations and might begin to threaten, uh, uh, you know, other forms of business, um, yeah. uh, I think the type of thing could have a very profound ripple effect.
effects. And certainly right now, Europe is not in a very good situation economically, and this yeah. is the last thing it needs. And, and, and we have seen in the past with, with some of these attacks in the past, not necessarily this one, but you will have a quote-unquote group claim responsibility for the for the quote-unquote attack. Even if, if in a group it does quote you know does take responsibility for it there's no guarantee that they actually were part of this you know it, it could be just trying to get publicity for themselves yeah absolutely yeah i, I and uh, the, uh, he was mentioning that uh, and i saw the coverage as well that uh, that afterwards someone they they claim that they were from al qaeda and we just don't know um, we we just don't know what they're associated with or, or or what the implications of that would be we're talking with bob meyer uh, wharton professor who is overseas and actually was in Paris yesterday, uh, down uh, a few blocks away. Uh, how, how close were you, and were you able to actually be able to look out the window and see a little bit of what was going on no, down there? Fortunately, I wasn't that close. Yeah. Uh, I think we were like, I was like six or seven blocks away. And, uh, but I do know that people were, were a little bit concerned that it was, before it was clear exactly what was happening, that, that the area that we were in might be threatened. But when it became clear that it was uh, uh, the, um, uh, the Charlie Hedbow offices, where everyone you know, kind of knew where that was, and and so forth, and we yeah. just uh, obviously we weren't inclined to want to run out onto the streets, no. but, um, uh, but but certainly there wasn't sort of the hysteric sort of shutdown mentality of mm. uh, well we need to you know close all the doors and so forth. There, there was a sort of feeling that it was a targeted assassination more than a, um, a, a, ge- a ge- general um, um, a terrorist attack. But that also brings up an interesting point in terms of the correlation between this attack and Boston was when you look back at Boston, Boston shut down for, what, 48 hours, uh, basically, while they were looking for uh, the two gentlemen uh, that were uh, that were the main uh, roles behind that Boston bombing at the Boston Marathon. And from what you said, Paris did not shut down at all in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, that, that was actually a surprise to me because when we were, we, we, we were done and I left, I was wondering, how am I going to get back home again? I was, once again, thinking about Boston, and that wasn't the case at all. It was almost if, you, if, I, if I didn't know better, I would have assumed nothing would have happened. Uh, um, you know, there was some police, uh, as I mentioned, that, that, that where a lot, there was a significant presence was in a lot of the tourist areas. Yeah. Um, um, like, for example, the, immediately my, my wife and daughter were telling me, whereas I was hearing very little in the way of police sirens, in the area where they were, in the main tourist areas and shopping areas, the streets were filled with police and, and security officials coming in. So that was when, in some sense, they became more fearful that maybe something was going on. But certainly in the, the normal business areas, I was actually surprised that there wasn't more. Um, of course, w- with the advantage here was the situation where they very quickly they were able to get a sense as to who they were going after. And I think yeah. they... The, the officials in this situation knew knew a whole lot more about what was going on than what we what we knew in Boston. Well, Bob, uh, good to talk to you. I know you're uh, busy on on your travels overseas, but uh, thanks for giving us for a few minutes here on Knowledge of Wharton, and we'll see you when you get back to the states. Great, thanks a lot. Good talking to you. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Bob Meyer, Wharton professor, joining us from London today. Look, I, I don't care if he was six blocks or sixty blocks away. You that close to it? That's a scary thing, and hopefully they will find these. Gentlemen, really, really fast, and and obviously we send our uh, our best along to uh, to all of the families of the people that lost somebody yesterday. Uh, heinous attack. Uh, hopefully, they will find those uh, other two gentlemen real real soon. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.